check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest, New Bedford, Massachusetts-based artist Kate Fraser-Rigo. Kate shares how she got early support from family and art teachers growing up and how it can help direct your path into adult life as an artist. She also shares a long list of inspirational figures from her artistic journey that weaves in and out of this whole interview. I feel this recording acts as a poem, which also features Kate reading her current artist statement, a truly rare moment. Thanks for joining us, and stick around for much more. Oh, and one more thing. There's a few swear words in this one. Just a heads up. Enjoy. So here we are. Welcome to Oddcast, Kate. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So where is your studio located? Uh, my studio, I am very, very fortunate, is in my house. Yeah. Uh, so I can walk to my studio in my pajamas um, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Cool. Thanks. Nice little city. It's doing all right these days. It's doing pretty good. <laughs> nice. So I was wondering, like, what were some of your first experiences with making art, and when did you feel like you got serious about it? I was a I was a very very lucky kid in that like I can't I can't recall a memory where like art wasn't a part of my day as a kid. Like yeah yeah, my parents were very much all about like putting art materials in front of me, whether it was play-doh or legos or lincoln logs or paint or crayons and they were always there so i was always making um but i guess i started like thinking more about art like art in that larger sense in in middle school but like my middle school art experience wasn't that great um I didn't feel very supported by my art teachers in middle school. Yeah. And uh, and then when I got to high school, 
I had this whole other idea about like the person I was going to be. Um, and I was really lucky that I had a great high school art teacher that convinced me otherwise. So it wasn't until high school that I got really serious about art and decided that was like the path I wanted to take. Because oh, initially wow. I wanted to be an ER doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I had a my high school ceramics teacher, Susan Brunette, um, was amazing. She was incredible. And I was got, I got really into ceramics. And she started talking to me about like, you know, this is something that you can pursue. You can make in different ways. You can like think about this as like a career path. Um, just art in general or the ceramics? Um, Just both. Does that make sense? Like yeah. she was definitely like fostering my love of like ceramics and like sculpture and three dimensional fi- and like three dimensional forms. But I was also taking at that point so many art classes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that she actually like sat down with my mom because my mom was like, you can't, you can't go to art school. You can't go to art school. You're going to, you're going to die starving in like a warehouse in Soho. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so Miss Brunette sat my mom down and was like, no, no, that's, that doesn't necessarily have to be the path that she takes. There are lots of things that she can do. Yeah. Um, and so like once she convinced my mom, like, I was in like Flint. Oh, wow. It was just art all the way from there. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, that instructor, <laughs> you said something, um, the ceramics instructor. Yeah. She said to you that, some, uh, I mean, did she allude to that it would be function versus fashion or? Um, no. Or could be? Well, a lot of the ceramics that I was doing at that time were in no way functional. It was very, it was very much about like making these objects to go along with sculptures that I was making in my AP art class at that point. Okay. Um, and I was making the most ridiculous work in high school. I mean, I made all these, I was like really into Joseph Cornell. So I was like making all of these shadow boxes, but they were like shadow boxes about like these different like feminists. So I had like, a, <laughs> I had like a Margaret Sanger shadow box that had like birth control and a bathtub with babies flying out of it. And <laughs> I had a, I had a piece that Miss Brunette helped me with where I had to cast my face and I cast my face and like all these, uh, it was ceramic. It was clay. It was like all these white faces in this structure that I built, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. Wow. It, yeah, I was, I like doubled down on being that art kid at the end of high school. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, but it was really, it was great. I had, I had so many incredible art teachers at my high school that just like fostered all that weirdness with yeah. me and all of my weird art friends. They were like, go. So you were really working on stuff that borderline 2d 3d mm, like mm-hmm. early yeah i was the uh i was the only pre-declared sculpture major in my whole freshman class at umass yeah yeah cool <laughs> i was adamant that i wanted sculpture nice yeah i guess i'd like to jump into your uh studio life a little bit and your yeah, work yeah. so when generally when you create a work do you use any sketches or preliminary work in the process I mean, I, I do, I do like these paintings, these like watercolor drawings. And I guess 
I guess essentially they like they are sketches for the three dimensional work that's created, but they're also like an object in and of themselves. Yeah. So like the paintings inform the sculpture, but not necessarily like in a technical way. If I'm figuring out like technical stuff, then I'm usually like sketching like technical diagrams in my sketchbook. Yeah. Um, or like I use my sketchbook for like catching my thoughts or like writing down titles or. Yeah. That's a good practice. Writing down just titles. Writing things. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that would be like where the main like writing and drawing comes from is the yeah. watercolors in the sketchbooks. Now when you like, I'm trying to put this into words, but only cause I've seen like some of the stuff you've posted on Instagram with yeah. the text and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that those aren't necessarily sculptural in a way yeah so like i'm curious how <laughs> like like where do those fit in no no not fit in at all like yeah. how how would that inform like is it the same content in a way um yeah i guess it's like dealing with the same themes that yeah. i'm seeing in the work um i just think it's more of like a a visual way to convey the writing that i'm already doing Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like them, you know. <laughs> now, my next question is, are there any specific influences on your work, like outside of your immediate making practice and, you know, themes or and such? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that it's safe to say that it's, like, undeniable that there's, like, a link between my work and, like, feminist art in yeah. general. So, I mean, any of, like, the big heavy hitters with that are people that I, like, look to a lot. Um, who did I write down? Let's see. Um, I really was into the work of, like, Nancy Spiro when I started my whole, like, labia series. I was thinking about her work and, like, all the Sheila Nagigs that she was including in, uh, in some of her installations. Um, I really love Doris Salcedo. And her, her like work that deals with like memory and loss and like the ephemeral when it okay. comes to like people. Um, I'm also like also weirdly into like Victorian anything. <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess like the biggest. The biggest like source of all the influences is my I call it my Mueller list. Um, yeah. So when I was in when I was in grad school, I had the opportunity to have a uh, hear a talk with Stephen Mueller, who is um, this abstract painter, uh, an incredible painter. He's like passed a few years ago, but he shared something he called his list, and it's kind of like this stream of consciousness list that he just made and he said that you know anytime he had to think about his work and his influences he always went back to that list and within that list was everything that his work was ever about um and i thought that was such a crazy idea and i thought you know well shit i'll write my own list so i sat down and kind of sat with myself and just started like writing and like writing whatever came to like like to the forefront of my whatevers um hmm. and i wrote it down and and I, I had my list and i was like oh my god 
like this makes so much sense. Um, and I recently rewrote the list and updated it because the person I was like nine or ten years ago is yeah. not the person I am today, obviously. And so I wrote this new list. Um, so if you want, I can share my updated list. Yeah, go my for it. My updated Mueller list. Yes, this is my new list. And I think that it pretty much touches upon like every every influence I can think of. Like when I think of anything that my work has to do about, yeah, it all somehow comes back to this list. Yeah. So here we go, I guess. Cool. All right. Oh, my gosh. Crow's Feet, the deep bass of house music. The first sip of a cup of coffee. My grandfather's hands. My grandmother's legs. Brown eyes. The frantic energy of 3 a.m. The smell of the ocean. Films. Late drives on summer nights. Fireflies. The rhythm of my sleeping daughter's breath. Sour candy. Inner space. Big dick energy ophelia georgia frida ava louise dorothea making breakfast sunday morning the dips and curves of a partner's body hogging the jukebox Hmm. laughing so hard you pee a little (laughs) wrinkles on the face of a friend teaching southie slums Ava and her 19 children, my grandmother's hair, widow's walks, morning portraits, gender fuck, red lipstick, swearing, irreverence, doing one better, old photos, older records, summer breeze, the static buzz of that first touch. My daughter's smell. And that's my list. That's great. <laughs> Thanks. Sure. Some of it's very visual and the other is sort of like nostalgic. I mean, would you feel? Yeah. I yeah. think that that is very accurate. Nostalgic and what was the other word? The, the visual and. Yeah. Visual and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And it's it's reads like a poem to me too. Yeah. I figured you would think so. <laughs> <laughs> so predictable. No, yeah, I think it um, it is very much like like stream of consciousness, spoken word, yeah. like all of that. Yeah, I I like it. This is it's as much as I will admit to writing poetry, openly. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess going back to like sort of the process a little bit in your studio. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious, you know, based on the the materials that I know you use. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite material or medium of the moment? I've been really into like making these like clay objects lately. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've gotten really into it. So I've been messing around with like air dry clay, with paper clay. I'm now like getting into like uh like polymer clay, like Sculpey. Um and I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying it because it's so different from like the fabric and fiber work that I do. Yeah, yeah. That I feel like it's a nice contrast. Um I've also been doing some stuff with AstroTurf. Yeah, yeah. Which has been interesting. <laughs> now, you say Now the 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 clays that you're using for yeah. some of the sculpture are they going to be freestanding or is this Yeah, I think so. I think 
some of them might be on the wall. Some of them might be on a shelf. Some of yeah, them yeah. will be within the space in some way. So, yeah, I guess they'll be in different places throughout. Yeah. I, I, these clay pieces, do you plan on painting them? Or how's oh, like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, will you make them flesh-like or sort of um, like like a trompe l'oeil kind of like fool the eye like what what's going on or? no i don't think trompe l'oeil um no i probably i mean i think the color palette will be similar to like the rest of the work which is like really intense colors yeah, that yeah. are fantastical in their ridiculousness okay <laughs> how are painting and sculpture similar to, in your use of them and how are they different as far as your ideas go I think that they are similar in that, like, I, I look at them both as a vehicle to convey, I guess, the narrative or message I'm trying to convey. I think that they both hold equal importance in terms of, like, when I'm, like, speaking to the viewer. Um, but I think that, and I might get some guff for this, being the sculptor that I am, I think that there's, like, power in the tangible object yeah. I'm sure people are like, painting's a tangible object. Um, I think that there's power in like the three-dimensional forms that inhabit our realized spaces. Yeah. I think that there's an element of illusion or like smoke and mirrors with painting that is wonderful and I yeah. enjoy it, but I think that there's there's power to something being like in front of you that you can physically walk your body around and take in in the moment and i'm sure i'm now gonna think of like several paintings that achieve that so wow there we go <laughs> we can't we talk about it all night right you mentioned one thing and then you you think of a way to contradict it well or something. yeah exactly yeah. it's the nature it's of like it, right? the endless battle between painters and the sculptors yeah right? like your 2d work let's call it mm -hmm. or your painting whether yeah. it's watercolor or and there's some text involved yeah now could that be thought of as like a multimedia experience like say if in a show like your sculpture with mm -hmm. these these text-based watercolor sort okay. of paintings like one say let's say we're a film you get the actors and you get the the sound you know like mm -hmm. what they're doing and the sound mm -hmm. with it yeah could that be a similar thing with your work um does that make sense yeah i mean i think that they're all like just gateways into like the world you know yeah like the world being this inner world that i've got going on up yeah, here. yeah, yeah. they're just all different doorways you can take Enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this tends to be one of my favorite questions. Mm -hmm. um, can you use three to five words to describe your work? Now, they don't have to make a phrase or sentence, or okay. they could be individual, sort okay. of, you know, separate. Um, all right. I thought of tactile. Yeah. Naughty. And fanciful. Cool. I think that that is that encompasses a little bit of everything. I think I have some words that I, I picked bet, out. I <laughs> do. Um, what are yours? Well, for so I wrote a few of them down, and okay, like maybe the labia series. Uh huh. Um, for some reason, I was thinking about like calling them celebrations. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and of course, personality can be. 
I, I like the word. I enjoy it. Oh, okay. It's a great I don't, word. It's not supposed to be cheesy or anything. Hey, no, it's got personality. I but, no, yeah. I mean, I think when we've talked about them in the past, like each piece in the labia series, they most definitely all have their own personalities yeah. to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just their form, like the formal, co- I'm not, this is more beyond words, but, okay. uh, this is many words, but <laughs> it's like the formal quality, I think they're okay. striking, you know, whether it's color and then pattern, like as far as okay. the, the, like the material and, okay. you know, found objects and everything. And, oh, um, yeah, it like, and then beyond that, there's a story behind like each one, it seems. And <laughs> yeah. I know you've, you've kind of shared some of that with me before, but, yeah. um, yeah, so I feel like they're like animated and um and I just I really like the craft behind them. Thank you. You know, like the the word architecture comes to mind for me. All right. So, yeah, those oh. are my 100 words for <laughs> <laughs> You broke your own rule, Phil. I know. Um no, thank I appreciate that. I I I think a lot about like the formal qualities of um each of the pieces. So yeah. I I I really appreciate it when people notice that i've put that thought into it yeah um and then you know you're making all of my undergrad professors very very proud by talking about the craftsmanship because that was the hill upon which they died so yeah yeah i've, I've done them a good turn <laughs> oh, God. did i say gypsy no i left that out didn't i for one of my words yeah you left that out How did I leave it's a it? great word I was actually listening to Cher today, Gypsies, yeah, yeah. Tramps, and Thieves. It's it's one of the songs on my studio playlist. So oh, nailed see it. that? There we go. Somehow I knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a classic. You can't go wrong. So with when I when I say Gypsy again, like how how does that make? I mean, you um, seem to like it, but. I mean, I think of like several different things when I hear the word Gypsy. Yeah. Um. I mean, you have like the stereotypical like mystic sage seer i get a little stevie nicks i get a little uh romany which i think is great uh one of my favorite bands is gogol bordello which um uses a lot of like gypsy culture like in their music okay um i think of world war ii and like the persecution of the gypsies yeah again web theory there you go it's going everywhere (laughs) yeah so I guess I'd like to jump back to the studio process, uh, yeah. working processes. Do you experience any kind of creative block? And if so, how do you get yourself out of it? Well, one, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would love to meet the artist that doesn't, like, run up against some kind of creative block in some way. Um, I, you know, I don't have any, like, super tricks that I do when yeah. creative block hits. I do a lot of sitting. Yeah. I like make myself sit in my studio and like, no, like you need to put your body in this space. Even if you're not doing anything, you're sitting in it. Yeah. Um, I do. Uh, I, I'd say that I go into my mind palace <laughs> and <laughs> like zone out. Like I talked about inner space in my Mueller list. I very much go into inner space. Like I yeah, yeah. take a nice little walk around and then I think, uh, a lot of people tease me about like my like web theory conversations, how I just like it's like from one tangent to the next. So I kind of like dig deep into my web theory and just like go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. And it 
takes me back out eventually somewhere. Do you ever sketch or write after something like that? Um, I'll like write. I'll write down ideas. Sometimes I'll do that thing where I'm like completely zoned out and then and then I have a painting. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I try not to I try not to force it. Like I do I do a lot of sitting when I cuz eventually the mind palace helps me find my way back out. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a good question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you listen to any music while working? And if so, who or what? Oh, my goodness. Um, I listen to several different things in the studio. I yeah. think it depends on, like, my mood, I guess. Uh, sometimes I do podcasts. I listen to a few of them. Right. Um, should I name them all? I mean, I think... Top three. I think <laughs> top three. Uh, top three. Three would be oh god I'm gonna like upset somebody if I I'm gonna do top four okay um so these days I listen to last podcast on the left which is a great true crime podcast I love my true crime I listen to spooked which is about paranormal and ghost stories and then I listen to um I like your work by Miss nice. Erica Hess um. And then this little podcast I've heard of called Atcast. I listen to that occasionally. Oh. It's pretty good. <laughs> you have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so now. <laughs> but no, I mean, well, like, that's you. really what I listen to, like, podcast-wise. But um, sometimes I will listen to, like, an instrumental playlist. So, like, there'll be yeah. no words. But usually, usually I have, like, my studio playlist on, which at this point is now, like, nine hours long wow hey that works right it has quite a variety yeah in it but yeah i enjoy it i like to dance in my studio no way yeah (laughs) (laughs) that can't be that surprising i don't know (laughs) no yeah i put myself in that and i was like yeah i don't dance (laughs) really no yeah i like to i do a lot of dancing and singing while i'm making work yeah yeah cool well hey that's you're enjoying yourself on many levels right you know, it's my church, so, you know. Yeah. So how about visual artists? Who are some of your favorites? Or I guess you can um, branch out if you'd like. Well, put it this way. I There are too many to name. Okay. Put it that way. I am very, very fortunate in that I have uh, an incredibly diverse network of a lot of really fucking talented people that I know. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're musicians or painters or sculptors or just makers i know a lot of really 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 talented people and i feel like i wouldn't want to name them because i'm going to leave somebody out and i'm going to feel horrible about it afterwards yeah but yeah yeah, i mean they know who they are and they're all really fucking talented it's great so way to go guys (laughs) (laughs) maybe this one is a bit easier to handle Mm -hmm. (laughs) which contemporary artist or from history would you have liked to have spoken with this is a question that I actually I ask uh, I ask my kids a lot at school. Yeah. Like if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, like who would it be? Yeah. yeah. Um. I I think there are two people that I would want to sit down and have dinner with. Um. I would want to sit down with Frida Kahlo. Yeah. And have dinner. I love her. Um. And I think that she just had such an adventurous and incredible and nuanced life. Like, there were so many layers to who she was. Yeah. 
Um, and I would also like to sit down with Lee Krasner and have have a nice talk with her. Have a nice talk with her and Frida because I am very, very, I am very intrigued by that idea of like the like art power couple. Yeah, yeah. I I am like very drawn to that idea. Um, and I guess I just like. I, I would love to talk with him about the dynamic and like what it is like to have to support the weight of that artistic genius. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> Whether there's some truth to it or not, I mean, Diego Rivera and Jackson Pollock were obviously very, very, very talented men, but <clears throat> they made their ladies do a lot of emotional labor for them. And I would yeah. love to have a talk with them about it. Okay. Now would this be um a trio or this is one on one? Oh, we'd all have a nice long dinner talk. <laughs> cool. <laughs> How about this? Okay. Do you have an artist quote you would like to share? I do. I do. I this one was tough. I had to think about this one for a while. Um so the one that I thought kind of like crystallized like ultimately like all my thinking yeah uh is a quote by langston hughes okay and it goes uh birthin is hard and dying is mean so try to get yourself a little loving in between that's great and i think ultimately that's the goal right all right sort of the just the essence yeah well done like that journey is can be such an interesting and varied one. Yeah. We all have different paths to take. And yeah, I think there's some truth to it. Cool. Mm. <laughs> oh, I didn't ask you the most experimental thing you've done to a piece. Oh, that's all the good stories. No. How did I miss that? I, I don't know. I mean, I forgot about it too. Um, oh my God. The most experimental thing. All right. So... In terms of the most exper experimental thing I've done, um, I have been fortunate that I have had uh, like mentors and professors in my life that have like allowed me slash pushed me in certain avenues where I could try out different medium. Um, my uh, my undergraduate thesis, I was almost well, I say almost not able to, but my professor could have been like feeding me a line. Uh, mm -hmm. I was almost not able to show it uh, because he said that it was biohazardous. Um, because one of like How? <laughs> <laughs> one of the key pieces to my senior undergraduate thesis um, was this piece that was all of these reliquary jars. So in undergrad, I was uh, I got very very into Christian Boltanski and the idea of false histories and false narratives and like creating this uh like evoking these emotions falsely so i created these like mourning jars which is a victorian uh like kind of mourning tradition where you make like these mini shrines and bottles okay so i went into the mind palace and huh. i like had almost like these this cast of characters um I was like, oh, okay, those are, those are the people. These are the archetypes that I am thinking about. So one was, oh my God, what was it? One was a nun. One was a, a mourning mother. 
One was a Civil War nurse. One was a butcher. One was a, a newspaper man. One was a sea captain. One was um, like an eccentric. One was, um, oh, a, did I say politician already? No. A politician. Um, that might have been it. There might have just been eight. But in a couple of them, so for example, in the, the butcher one, it was like the photograph that I like, and I used all of my friends at the time. I like dressed them up in these different costumes. I like rented all of these period costumes. Oh, wow. Because of course, like in my brain, I had this very specific like time frame of years that this was happening. So I had to go to like this costumer that got me like historically accurate clothing. Yeah. Um, so I dressed everyone up in these outfits and I had them sit with like this camera that would mimic like old uh, daguerreotypes. So I like took their photographs and then like mounted them on like this aged uh, like cardstock. So it looked like those old Victorian photos. Yeah. And then like filled these jars with this like ephemera and shit. So <laughs> the butcher was like, submerged in animal fat and bones the civil war nurse had her picture in the bottom of the uh, jar was filled with grass and then i <laughs> i had a phlebotomist uh take my blood uh, oh wow and it was there was blood on yeah. the grass in the jar um and then the sea captain it was submerged in salt water yeah. So it was like all the material and it was I was very, very about like the integrity of the material at this point. So like when it was suggested I use something that's not actually blood, I was oh, <laughs> how dare you suggest. Yeah. Um, and so he said, Well, there's Kate, there's human blood in this piece. I'm like, Yeah, and what's right. the big deal? It's like, oh, I don't know if they'll let you show it. It's like they have to let me show it. Uh and I don't, I don't know, but I was able to have the piece at my senior thesis. So nice. it was, it was a good piece. It was a strong one. Thank God. Uh, I kicked up a lot of fuss about it. <laughs> um, and then I recently was able to take a crack at performance art for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, learned a couple things about myself. One being, I am not a performance artist. And two, I have the utmost respect for people who are. <laughs> uh, I was able to participate in Art in Odd Places, which is like an international performance festival that happens in different places in the country. So I was able to be a part of Art in Odd Places Body, which happens around this time last year in New York. Yeah. And I was part of a, um, like a collaboration with three artists. Um, and what did we call the piece? Oh my God. Oh, don't move. That's, oh. what, that's what it was. It was don't move in parentheses. You're pretty when you don't move. And it was the whole idea about the female figure in like an urban landscape and like the urban landscape being very masculine with its like, you know, high rises and right, like very phallic skyscrapers and all of this stuff. Um, so each of us brought a different aspect of our work. Um, so one artist, Kat Cope, does like this uh, body armor. And Kelly Savage works with paper. And she created this like bug dress 
of like roaches and her work kind of deals with like infestation and like vermin so like rats and like roaches and like in this urban setting which you know new york city Yeah, yeah um and then you know my work deals with like the female symbol and the female image and like art historical references so i made this uh i made this dress that i called bourgeois ish uh, which was like my do- my nod to Louise Bourgeois and like her booby suits that she would make. So and I was also thinking about um, Ishtar, the the fertility, the oh. Mesopotamian fertility goddess, and I made this like booby dress um, that had all these like silicone breasts on it that were very reminiscent of almost uh, like Marie Antoinette's breast cups that she made. Have you ever heard about those that she, like, in Versailles had someone cast her breasts and made them into teacups because <laughs> she's that lady? Um, and they're really beautiful and, like, very symmetrical, and I completely don't believe that her boobs look like that. Yeah. Uh, fake news. Um, <laughs> but, I like, the, the breasts that I had cast were very reminiscent of that, like, very symmetrical boob shape. Yeah. And they were hollow, so they were all filled with these, like, strands of, like, these milky white beads – so that I essentially milked myself on yeah. the streets of New York City. Right. Yeah, I remember you were telling me this before, but mm-hmm. this is and the first time for some listeners. Huh? Yeah. And what I um, found out was that I do not have the gumption even remotely to do that because as I was walking to the place that I needed to do this performance at, um, a little girl asked me if I was ready for Halloween, and that six-year-old completely killed my confidence oh, no. and I made it. it's so embarrassing i like made it a block and a half and i was like i can't i can't do this i can't do this at all <laughs> she got in your head she oh my god it was it was something else and so i like turned around to come back and i was like no 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 i can't do it i got all the way here i made this thing fuck it so I like found a street corner and I did it and I performed the dress yes. and, I, and I like videotaped myself. So I can technically say that for about five whole minutes, I did a performance in New York City. Right. And God damn it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an incredible experience and I was like so thankful to be involved in it. And I got to be in like the gallery show at West Beth Gallery that coincided with the performance. Um, and so that was really cool. Uh, but my, oh my, there's no fucking way I'll ever do that again. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. How do you feel about like assemblage? Do you like when I think of assemblage, mm-hmm. I think of like hard edges and more like maybe traditionally or just like more common that mm-hmm. there there's less fabric involved. But I could be wrong. I mean, I'm 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 basically a painter, you know, by <laughs> yeah, by trade, if you will. Yeah. So. Um. And whereas th- there. With you, they tend to be more soft sculpture, would you say? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that, um, like, when I think of assemblage, I think of it more as, like, this very big umbrella term, and then it kind of, like, filters down under it. Um, I mean, a lot of the assemblage I think of, like, is, like, ephemeral and fiber-related. So, I mean, I think both. I think it, like, they're both totally appropriate. I think it's... The artists you're looking at, if they're if they're more like painterly leaning or if they're yeah, more yeah. like sculpturally leaning, um, I think of like like think about uh, I mean when I think of like Tracy Emmons' bed, 
Like yeah. to me, that's assemblage. Like it's so there's so much stuff and ephemera like shoved into that space, like that yeah. environment, uh, and so much of that is fiber. I mean, it's like bed sheets right, <laughs> and right. clothes. Um, but even like some of the trash is still fiber. Technically, it's paper. Mm. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I mean, I guess like yes and like it's all there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So it's yeah. really rich, and it's obviously yeah. can be like once you try to dissect it, it just gets bigger and bigger. Web the web. The web. <laughs> yeah, it's all interconnected. And to close, here is Kate Fraser Rigo reading her artist statement. Listen in. When my daughter was being born, I felt myself crossing a threshold. After those first moments of pushing her into the world, I would no longer be the person I had known walking into that hospital. I struggled to find a way to visually communicate such an intense journey, both primal and mythological in its makings. The female identity in art is often stagnant and binary, portrayed as objects of sexual desire, the mother, the tragic heroine, the virgin, the whore. I knew that there were so many other more nuanced stories to tell. I started using the vulva as a framework upon which many different stories are hung. From this exploration sprang forth the labia series. Some funny, some twisted, some dark and mournful, and certainly always pushing the narrative of the complex female identifying experience. My newer pieces of work, while related to the labia series in its connection to the body, goes on to explore ideas of aging, the passage of time, relationships, and intimate interface. Watching the face of a lover, partner, or friend soften, morph, and change over time. Will I still look at my lover the same way at 60 as I did at 30? What are the stories our bodies tell when our voices are silent? Through my process of manipulating the fiber forms and found objects, I'm continuing to ask these questions, push the narrative, and hopefully find some answers. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. For audio, Hotcast is on iTunes, 
SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Social Artcast is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And let's not forget about Instagram.